Well, let's get ready to get into the word of God. Yes, ma'am. Is there anything else that I'm forgetting before I start rolling? <laughs> it's okay. Be excited as you want to be. Amen. We are a team. Praise God. We are a team. Amen. Uh, yes. And see, a lot of people in the body of Christ say, you know, Lord is able. That's what we say. He is able. We know he's able. But we also know he will. So you got to know he will. Praise God. So I'm going to I'm going to get me a quick hit of this right here, if you don't mind. Don't y'all be playing. This is Snapple. <laughs> like, man, he preaching with fire. <laughs> I love to have fun. I would never be the preacher who says, you know, God... That's not going to be me. <laughs> Praise God. Well, let's get into the word of God. You, you. Go ahead. Go ahead, Swell. We'll pencil you in, put you on the program. You, you finally submitted. <laughs> she didn't ever want me to lean over like this. Give me my mic. <laughs> Go ahead. Talk. This is what I want us to do this morning. Let us say a confession. Let us get a confession out here so we be ready to receive the word of God. Is that okay with everybody? Okay, so the first thing I want you to do is say, my mind is clear. My heart is open. I am ready to receive the word. In Jesus' name, amen. We ready, Bishop? All right, all right. I love that girl. <laughs> well, praise God. Uh, I thank you for the confession, Lord, that my you inspire my wife to lead the people in. And I want to say right now, open their hearts with sincerity. If there's never a time, uncloud them with the voices of the word. The world is speaking. Voices, they're speaking, they're speaking. And as Joel says in Joel 3 and 14, multitudes and multitudes are in the valley of decision. But I pray right now, Lord, that your voice is stronger than any voice they hear. And your voice will cause them to come out of the valley of decision. They're here this morning. The online community is here this morning. They will hear a word that will transform their lives. Well, you said in Romans, the 12th chapter, in verse 2, you said, Be not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So this morning, let your anointing rest on them. Let your anointing remove every burden and destroy every yoke. Let this place be filled with a wall-to-wall -wall Holy Ghost. There will be no demonic influence online or in this house while the Holy Spirit is presiding. I thank you for your divine sovereign grace 
that will enable us, equip us to be more than we ever could become on our own. Anoint their ears where they'll be sharp and they'll be able to hear what thus saith the Lord. For you said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. This is a different day. This is the day that you made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name, amen. We welcome again our, you guys, and we welcome our online community. And we are so excited that you are here today. And I want to encourage you online community. I want to encourage you. Separate yourself in the spirit so God can talk to you as an individual, not as a package deal, not as a family deal, but as an individual, the same individual that will stand before him alone and give an account of what you've done in your life, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Make the decision that I'm hearing this morning for me. Make the decision that this is not just another religious experience, but I am going to partake in a divine move of God. And this morning, I separate myself from my bills. I separate myself from my cares. I separate myself from my worries. God, I give you my undivided attention because this morning is meant for me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Guys, this morning, I want to talk to you about a very, very serious subject. I want to talk to you about the bitter sting of betrayal. There's two sides of this coin. You know, there's something about betrayal that is that is different. It impacts our lives. It traumatizes our lives. Because for one, you can never be betrayed by your enemies. In order for someone to successfully betray you, you have to open up your life, open up your heart, open up your circle for them to come in. You have to give them a piece of you that you have reserved for only people that you believe will be close to you. Betrayal is a very, very dangerous thing. And it hurts just like losing a loved one. Because you have to allow yourself to become close enough to someone that you let your guard down. No matter who you are, if you are, if you are alive, if you're breathing, you will ultimately experience the sting of betrayal. 
Betrayal comes in a lot of different forms. Betrayal comes in a marriage setting where a man or woman have trusted one another and have laid down their lives to live harmoniously with each other. And infidelity creeps in. And when it does, it makes you question yourself. It, it's, it's, it, it happens in friendships, happens in families. And you ask yourself to question everything that I thought was real up until this point was not real. It makes you wonder all the times that things looked like they were great, were they really? Betrayal is a bit appeal. And again, as I stated, there is two sides of the coin. And I want to deal with them both this morning because you could either be betrayed or you could be the one that betrays. And we need to hear from the word of God to accurately understand how to avoid being a part of this bitter pill. Betrayal has to happen from people, again, who you've allowed in your inner circle, people that you have trusted. And what betrayal is, is that they take everything that you have given and they violate that confidence and they violate that trust. Even now to young kids, no age is exempt. Young kids go to school and they find out that someone has posted things on Instagram or online about them and they thought that they were really close friends. And then they look and they see that someone is assassinating their character. And you thought that they were really close. And this thing really, really damages people. And if you don't know what God has said in his word, many people don't recover from betrayal. And in order to recover from betrayal, you have to have a constant, steady diet of the word of God, the spirit of God, and a support system to help you to recover yourself and become the person that you used to be. So this morning, as we talk about this, it's, it's a generalization. It is not, and, and, and see, it's not based off of, uh, you know, I'm not preaching this because it's, well, this is an experience that I just had. Listen, I could have preached this 30 years ago. You follow what I'm saying? So, just understand God is trying to help you. And let's let's just look at a couple of things and then you will understand why it is so prevalent in today. Matthew, the 24th chapter. This is considered in the 24th chapter for anybody that reads Matthew. It is considered as the Olivet Discourse. Why is it the Olivet Discourse? It's the last Tuesday of Jesus' life. And Jesus was pouring his heart out to his disciples. I believe it was just Peter, James, John, and Andrew. 
He wasn't just talking to all of them, but these were the ones that was with him, the ones that were closest with him. And at this time, they was on the Mount of Olives. You know, a lot of things happened on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus was, they, they, they came to Jesus and they began to ask Jesus about uh, when shall these things be? Jesus was pointing to the temple and Jesus said that there will not be one stone left on top of another before the end time comes. Well, in 70 AD, the temple was attacked and it was totally decimated. It was destroyed. So Jesus began this Olivet Discourse with prophecy. And the prophecy went all the way up from back then, all the way up to the things that are occurring now in our lives. And Jesus said, he said, they said, when shall the end come and what shall be the sign of thy coming? So what we need to understand is that Jesus left signs that will indicate his his time dispensation and how close he is to returning. And just like when a woman who is pregnant is 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 having a baby these uh contractions they start out and they start they start um uh, they become closer and closer together as it indicates the pains are happening more frequently and so we are coming to the place of deliverance so what we don't understand is is that when you see these things, Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come and say that I am Christ. Well, Christ is not his last name. What Jesus is saying is many people will begin to rise up in the last days saying that I am anointed. I have heard from God and shall deceive many. And he began to tell us things that we will see. And then he said that there will be uh, earthquakes and there will be uh, in divers or unusual places. When you start getting earthquakes in South Carolina, if that ain't unusual. And then he went on to say that there will be uh, not only earthquakes, but there will be pestilence, you know, sicknesses. In Revelations, the Bible says that in the last days that men will begin to die from the sicknesses from the beast of the field. What is that saying? Is that now we're living where you're getting all of these different plagues, if I'm allowed to say that word. And you are hearing that they are coming from this animal, this coming from that animal. And then, you you know, you're getting, you know, swine flu and you're getting bird flu. And then there's monkey pox and all of these things. The Bible said that. And it was in there back when your great great grandmother was reading the Bible. Those scriptures were there then. However, what is happening in the last days, the Bible says that men will become wiser. So Jesus was telling them, these are the things that I want you to begin to observe. And when you see these things happening and not just happening, but when you see them happening simultaneously, he said, look up for your redemption draweth nigh." Now, when you are not in church, you can't get this kind of information in the club. 
You can't get this kind of information on the golf course. See, what is happening is we as a society has become sedated to where the Bible says in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Shall men shall be lovers of their own self. They'll be heady, high-minded, traitors, unthankful, unholy, disobedient to parents, having the without natural affections, having the form of godliness, looking like the church, but denying the power thereof. What is the power? The power, according to Paul, is in Romans 1:16. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto deliverance to everyone that believes it. But the Bible says they will look like the church, but they will deny the word. If you don't understand the road signs, you will never know how close you are to your destination. We use that all the time. Now we got a GPS. And so basically it's telling us that you are only in 300 feet turn right. And listen to this. The Bible says in the last days, it says that even the very elect, if the time be not shortened, even the very elect will be deceived. How many of you, although you have a GPS, your GPS deceived you because it says in 300 feet turn right and you was waiting on them to tell you to turn right and miss the road and then you heard And it basically told you, you just missed your role. And you were saying, I put you in charge of giving me instructions. Why didn't you tell me beforehand? And the church is to let society know beforehand where you are. So when you choose that you don't want to hear from the church, you don't want to go to the church, you can miss your turn. So let me read what Jesus said here as he was telling them about uh, the last day prophecies. And, you know, and again, I've always said this. I love eschatology, which is the study of the last days. I love it because I want to know. I want to know. And look at here. The Bible says, then will you be handed over to be persecuted, put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Now, he's not talking about just the world. He said many will turn away from the faith. The Bible says that Jesus will not return unless there first a great falling away. If you look at the numbers of church attendance pre-pandemic and look at it now, Many people have fallen away from the faith. I'm not talking about just not going to church. Many people don't believe the word like they once did. Many people don't use the word as a guide to their lives like they once did. Many people have fallen away from the faith. Many people that church now and in their relationship with God has become an option. And if it doesn't rain, I prefer golf over spending time with God. The Bible says people will be, listen, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. 
And, you know, guys, I'm saying that we should come to a place. It is very, very important what you're hearing in these last days. You need to stay sharp. You need to be on the cutting edge of what God is doing. You need to know that Jesus is going to return soon. I heard a statement as my wife and I were just listening to some uh, uh, some teaching. And this is the statement that resonated so much with me and my spirit. It says prophecy uh, should conform our character. Now, what does that mean? Prophecy should conform uh, our character. It simply means that the more you hear and understand and believe, prophecy should change our character. It should change you. You, 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 you feel what I'm saying? Say, for instance, you know you start to work at 7 o'clock. 6.15, you up drinking coffee. But you get to get a phone call or whatever, or you make a phone call, and you look up, and it's about a quarter till seven. Your understanding of the time will change what you do. So now you would have liked to go and check your email. I don't have time. I would have liked to go and, 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 and responded to a text or a phone call. I don't have time. What is happening here is the enemy is trying to block us from the information of where we are on God's timetable. So we think we have time. Jesus said many will turn away from the faith and will hate and betray one another. As I stated before, betrayal can only happen by someone you love, someone you've trusted, and someone that you have allowed in your inner circle. So I hope you stand with me because I want you, this is a time for us to really, really Pay attention. Now, this is something else that Jesus said here. And I want you to see this. This is in St. John chapter 13, verse 16. And this is, um, Jesus said it this way. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Jesus said, the world hated me and the world hated my stand. The world hated my standard. The world hated my thoughts and, 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 and my plan. And if you look like me, it's impossible for the world to love you. That's one thing that I, 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 I can't understand. And I'll just use this. 
Jesus said, if the world hates me, it's going to hate you. How can you tell me you love my wife and you don't like me? Just, just, just relax. But this is what I'm saying. If we are one, if we are one, how do you love her and hate me? Or how do you love me and hate her? Listen to me. Did you know that we are the bride of Christ? We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. And if Jesus said, I'm walking in this direction and you hate me for walking in this direction, everyone that follows me, you're going to hate them too. This is why people don't follow Jesus because they don't want to be hated. They don't want to be despised. They don't want to be disliked. They still want to be popular. So they begin to fudge on their uh, integrity to the gospel. They begin to fudge on their, uh, when Jesus says certain things. See, you, I can tell you, I've lost countless of friends or supposedly friends along the way because of my stand in the gospel. And you cannot avoid it. Why? Because if people come to you and say something that is, is, is that is contrary to the gospel and you operate like Paul, Paul said, he said, I am set in defense of the gospel. In other words, you can't say anything about the gospel or contrary to the gospel. And I just sit and listen. See, because quietness is agreement. You, you follow what I'm saying? And then here was Paul telling the Galatian church, he said it this way. He said, am I now your enemy because I tell you the truth? Uh, that's what we don't want to happen. We don't want people to dislike us because we are tell the truth so we don't say anything. And Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my father. We're coming into the place, and I've heard a I've heard a, a, a teacher say it this way: that the world we live in right now is harder than it has ever been since we've been here. It's difficult because there are so many people who are against Christianity. Other countries hate this country because of Christianity. And it's difficult right now. Jesus said it this way because we look for a harmony. But Jesus said, think not that I come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. In other words, what does a sword do? A sword separates. He said, I came in to set at variance a mother against her daughter and a father against his son. He said, and a man's foes shall be those of his own household. Why? Because those are the only people who can betray you, people you love, people that know you. And we want to, and I understand how we want to be peaceful. I'm not telling you to go somewhere and just start a riot. I'm not saying do this or that. But sometimes if you know that you're not going to stand up for what's right, just leave the atmosphere. 
Are you listening? And many people are damaged right now because of being betrayed. And betrayal is not disagreement. Let's make that clear because you're going to disagree with people, but that's not necessarily betrayal. Disagreement will happen. Betrayal is when someone doesn't like you or something that you've done and they lift up their heels to assassinate your influence, assassinate your character. But we're going to talk a little bit about this because I want you to see this. Jesus said, if they have kept my word, they will keep yours also. People, people are today looking for the truth. Are you listening? Now, let me share something about it because Jesus was an authority on this. He knew all about it. I want you to understand something here. Judas has become synonymous with betrayal. When you hear the word Judas, it's the same way if you hear the word Benedict Arnold, you automatically think about someone who betrayed. But you got to understand something, and this is what I want you to know, is that Judas was not always a bad fellow. As a matter of fact, under the anointing and by the anointing, Judas was chosen to be a disciple. You follow what I'm saying? He was chosen. Jesus said it in the end when Judas, when it was all over, he said, I have kept all those that thou has given me and none has been lost except the son of perdition. But you got to understand a little bit about Judas. And so Judas is going to teach us about betrayal. He's going to teach us about both sides of the coin. And I want you to really, really listen to this because in no matter what relationship that you are in, I want you to basically, I want you to begin to just listen to God and let God speak to you because what we're trying to do is avoid either betraying someone or being, or, or, or being betrayed. Are you listening? Judas, Judas got 30 pieces of silver from the chief priests and the scribes in order to betray Jesus. But this is not why Jesus betrayed Jesus. It wasn't because of money. We're going to see this. Judas, when he first met Jesus, well, let me not get ahead of myself. 30 pieces of silver was not a lot of money. So one thing we learned about Judas, Judas did not do it. He didn't do it for the money. Now, I want you to see something in Exodus to show you exactly what this money was equivalent to when Judas betrayed Jesus. And it will indicate to us that Judas had another motive, that it was not the money. Look at this. Exodus 21, 32. And this is what it says right here. If a bull gores a male or a female slave, the owner must pay 30 shekels of silver to the master of that slave, and the bull will be stoned to death. Judas betrayed Jesus for what was equivalent to the price of a slave. So we understand money was not his motive. So here's the thing. Why then did he fall into betrayal? Why did Judas 
betrayed Jesus? What is the backdrop behind this? What is the story behind it? Because what I want you to do is identify if any of these signs or things are working in you, in your relationship, whether it be with a friend, whether it be with your husband, or whether it be with your wife, whether it be with the church, whether no matter what it is, you need to identify so you can give it the attention that it deserves. Are you listening? So why then did Judas fall in betrayal? Here it is right here. Unresolved frustrations lead to betrayal. Unresolved frustrations lead to betrayal. Now, here is what went on with Judas. When Judas first met Jesus and Judas heard Jesus' pitch, where Jesus was talking about my kingdom is not of this world and how my kingdom is going to last and my kingdom will be here when all is said or done. He began to talk about his kingdom and Judas grabbed the idea that Jesus is going to have an everlasting kingdom. So in essence, Jesus is going to win. The adversary at that time was the Roman Empire. Rome was running things. Rome was doing. Rome did not even come up with the crucifixion. They did not originate the crucifixion. They perfected it. So people were afraid of Rome and people were afraid of Rome's rulers and they never would say certain things about them because if you heard it, you could lose your life. So Rome was a big deal in that day, if you understand what I'm saying. Judas began to think, I'm going to side with Jesus because I hate Rome and Rome is going to be annihilated. And they're going to get their what for. Somewhere along the way. The Roman Empire. When Jesus. Certain things would happen. And Judas would see. How Jesus responded. You ever see somebody and you just want somebody to get somebody. And they choose another route. And you get mad with them. Okay, just that you don't have to. That's what I'm talking about. And you, you, you're looking at them and, you know, you was on their side because you thought they were getting ready to give you uh, 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 relief by getting somebody else. And when they don't, then you get angry and you start, you know, judging them and assassinating their character. And along the way, Jesus, when 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 Judas saw how the scribes and the Pharisees was treating Jesus and how they captured Jesus and how they would they would they would uh, antagonize Jesus. And Jesus did not uh, kick back in and, and really do what 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 Judas thought was going to be the appropriate response in order for his kingdom to continue to stand along the way. Judas start looking at Jesus in disgust and disappointment. And this thing worked a war on him for three years. And he didn't like him. Let me bring it home. You ever been in a church before and the pastor made a decision and you thought that he shouldn't have made that decision. And you sit back and you didn't talk about it at all till you got at the table at home. 
Well, I'm just kidding. You know, I don't mean no harm, but I'm just saying he, what he did. I just that, that's crazy. I don't I don't like, you know. Or you're in a relationship and you're looking at your husband or you're looking at your wife and you're saying they're not like so and so. So and so would have dealt with this and that, but I got a whim. Or you'll begin to look at her. She's always, every time I turn around, she's just nagging about everything. Just, you know, just a contentious and fault finding. And, you know, and over the years, you, 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 to keep peace, you don't say anything. But each block, each block is starting to build. And what happened with Judas, uh, the Roman Empire, Jesus didn't strike out at the Roman Empire like Judas thought. So that was one block Judas took. And he was trying to figure out at that time, how am I going to do this now? Because this dude ain't aggressive like I thought. Talking about this kingdom stuff, he ain't doing none of this stuff. The alabaster box. The woman that came in, and the alabaster box is worth a year's uh, worth of uh, uh, labor. She brought the alabaster box in the house where Jesus was, broke open the box. And when you break those flasks, you can't reseal it. And so she began to anoint Jesus and she began to cry and wash Jesus' feet. And it was Judas who spoke up and said, why in the world would they be wasting all of this precious ointment? They could have sold this and gave to the poor. And the scripture specifically says not that he cared for the poor. So he didn't really have a heart for the poor, for the poor, but he could use that because it sounds spiritual. But what was really happening on the inside was here's another peg of frustration. Here's another thing that I'm having to deal with. Here's another thing that I don't like. And see, make no mistake about it. The enemy will continue to build those blocks in you to just like Judas. You can't take it anymore. There is going to come an end where you just can't take it anymore. And then the kingdom expectations. Jesus said, my kingdom is not under the... Uh, you know, you know, we have a slick tongue whenever we don't like stuff. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus said, your victory ain't either. <laughs> you see, because what is happening is he has sized it up in his own estimation, not understanding what Jesus was, what was here to do, not understanding Jesus' purpose. Jesus came to die. But Judas was so caught up in the natural that dying was a defeat. Not a victory. That's why Jesus rebuked Peter when he said, I must go up to Jerusalem and suffer many things. And Jesus said, be it far from thee, master. You shouldn't have to do all of that stuff. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Why? Because you're trying to keep me here when I came to die. So it wasn't just Judas. It was the fact that anybody who misunderstood Jesus, Jesus corrected them. So here, Judas have had the last rebuke from Jesus. 
I have taken all I can take from you. What happened? During this three-year process, Judas became too familiar with the anointing. He became too familiar with Jesus. Why? Jesus predicted his own betrayal at, at, the, at the supper, the last supper. And Jesus said it this way. He who dips his hand in and 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 in this and with this bread and sop with me will be the same one that will betray me. Now to show you how Judas had become too familiar with him and all of the anointing that was on Jesus. Now Judas forgot all about that like people do. They forget about all the good that you've done. They forget about all the time you helped them. They forget about all the bills you might have paid for them. They forget about all the times when you were inconvenienced and you did not show it and it looked so easy but it was taking something out of you every time you did it. This is the response to show you that he got too familiar and familiarity will breed contempt. We know that. So listen to what they said when Jesus said the same one that's at this table is going to betray me. Listen to what all the disciples said. Except Judas. All of them said, is it I, Lord? Would it be me, Lord? See, this is coming out of their heart under pressure. Is it our Lord? Listen to Judas. Is it our rabbi? See, Jesus then in Judas' eyes was reduced to just a man. He was no longer Lord anymore. He was just a man. That statement, he's just a man just like I am. You no longer see the anointing of God. You see him as just a man, just a woman. She just mama. She just, she just my aunt. She just my friend. She just my cousin. You don't see the anointing that have been used in order to get you out of a bunch of mess in your life because God used them to speak words of wisdom. You only see them now in the natural. And that's the same thing that they did over in the sixth chapter of Mark when the Bible says they looked at Jesus and they saw the anointing on Jesus' life. They saw he did great things and then they reduced him to just a man and said, is not his brothers and sisters here with us? Is not his mama named Mary? Don't they live down on the end of Cox Avenue? And then the Bible says, once they reduced him from the anointing and the great things that he had done, the Bible says they were offended. They acknowledged he was this. They acknowledged he was that. They saw the works. They, they, there was no way that they could not have seen it. But then... They reduced him and they got mad with him. And listen to what Jesus said. Because listen in Luke the fourth chapter in verse 18. Jesus said it this way. 
The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he have anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach deliverance to the captives. The spirit of the Lord is on me to heal the brokenhearted. I am anointed. But when they reduced him down, Jesus, the Bible says, he could dare do no mighty works. In other words, when you reduce people down to just being a human, you can no longer access the anointing in their life. It will no longer work for you. And it's not just your preacher. Sometimes it's husband and wives. When you don't see the anointing on your husband or your wife, you can no longer receive from them. And now you got irreconcilable differences. And that's why many people divorce because they cannot get over themselves. I just said to my wife this morning, and not because I was preaching this, but I said it to her this morning. I said, you know what? I thank God for you. I said, you know, you are. There was a time I didn't know how to receive from you. But I have learned that God many times will say things to you maybe that I didn't hear. You got to check your pride before you say something like that. I'm the man. I'm the man. And if God just let me alone and I can crash and kill the whole family uh, spiritually, domestically, financially, then I'm the man. I, I lead. OK, you just follow me. Pride goeth before destruction. You got to understand her title is help me. Help meet your rent. <laughs> help meet your car payment. <laughs> Yeah, right, that's hot off the press. So he, you put that, you never heard me say that. <laughs> but that's the reason. And as long as we are walking in the land of thickness, we will never be able to receive that. Stop being so controlling over him. He's going to make mistakes you did. Let him grow so he can lead you. When you find out he's not hearing you, don't tear up the house. Go pray for him. Lord, this man taking us down the wrong road, and I see it, you see it. <laughs> you told me to submit to him. If we crash, keep me alive and the children. <laughs> <laughs> Keep me alive and them cheering. <laughs> because I'm doing what you said do. I shouldn't have to take no L because you told me to listen. Y'all better learn. You better learn how to use your faith. Listen to mom and them. Always trying to tell me what to do. You better listen. The Bible says, listen, honor thy mother and father. It said this is the first commandment with promise. The first one that's got some results for you. What is these results? That it might be well with thee. What does well with thee mean? Your finances, your body, your relationships, your everything well with thee. And then that your days may be long upon this earth. Lord. Better talk to mom and them. 
Daddy Nim, you told me to listen. Now, I'm not going to go in there and fight them because, see, you can be right and make a wrong out of it. Moving right along. Go ahead, <laughs> So Judas said, is it I, Rabbi? You know what Jesus said? Jesus didn't say, oh, no, man. I mean, you know, I don't. Jesus said, you just said it. <laughs> You're going to read it. Jesus didn't back up. Jesus said, you just, thou hast said. So, yes, it is you. And listen to this. Look at the position he put himself in when he only saw Jesus and the anointing didn't work anymore. The Bible said for Judas, then Satan entered into Judas. See, when the anointing is not working for you, there is no defense against demonic attack. Satan entered into Judas and the Bible says Jesus told him on the way out the door, they thought he was going to buy something, man, for the poor. Jesus said, whatever you do, carry up and do it. Get it on over with. Because it's, it's in the cards. You're going to do it. So take the shortcut. Get on back down there with them boys. Listen to me. Judah's problem was, over the three years, he did not acknowledge the fact that he was having a problem with Jesus. In your relationships, whether you got a friend that you're getting tired of, it's not going to end well if you don't talk. It's not going to end well. See, you've got to put it out there, but you got to be prayerful when you do it. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. Don't go to the first of all, I'm, you know, I'm tired of hearing your nappy head. You know, you, no, that's not how you started because you just lit a fire. You might want to say we've been friends for a long time. And if it was not for you, there's a lot of things I would have never got through. However, there is somewhat I want to say to you about certain things, and I hope you hear me, because I don't mean you any harm whatsoever. You've been a good friend to me. But sometimes this happens and that happens. And it's just it's, it's really getting harder for me to take. And I try not to say nothing because I was hoping that we would just get past it. But it don't seem like we're going to get past it unless we talk. Better get that bread out of them. No, no. <laughs> Somebody thought that we was at McDonald's. <laughs> oh, so look at this. In any relationship, pretending that there isn't a problem is a prerequisite for betrayal. See, if you pretend that there is not a problem, if you pretend that, that, that nothing bothers you, there's going to come a day you can't take it anymore. And whenever you reduce the relationship to just natural, Satan is going to enter in somewhere. And it's not going to end well. And in relationships, husband and wives, I can tell you right now. Tina Turner told you, but most people don't listen. What's love got to do with it? Love is not enough to keep you together. There are people that just got divorced on Friday, still love one another. It's not enough. Listen. Judas denied that there was a problem. 
He didn't deny all of these, all these unresolved frustrations. Jesus, I, I would have done better if I had just brought my concerns to you and let you explain to me about your kingdom. Then I would not have expected that. See, it's not what happened, it's what you expected to happen. And if I had talked to you sooner and told you this, then the devil would not have gotten a foothold in my life and my thought patterns. He would never have gotten to a place right now that I couldn't take it anymore. He wouldn't have caused me to walk outside of the anointing of God. If I had just come to you and told you and whenever the woman bought the alabaster box in and I was like, that stuff could have been sold. If you had told me, hey, I'm going, I'm about to be buried. She's anointing me for my burial. But I told you guys before. After three days, I'm going to raise this body up. At least give me three days. At least wait. And you will see me again and you'll know I'm not shucking and jiving. Give me three days. But Judas didn't do that. Judas just built up all the information in his mind. This is how it is. And that's what carried him. If there is a problem you must repent. If there is a problem going on in your life and you caused it, you first must repent. What do I mean by that? Judas went back to the to the to the scribes and told them, listen to this, I changed my mind. He said, I changed my mind. Here's your 30 pieces of silver. And they said to him, it don't matter to me whether you change your mind. You did what we wanted you to do. And Judas then went under such condemnation. He said, because I have betrayed a righteous man. But what Judas didn't do is he changed his mind, but he didn't repent. He didn't look for Jesus to say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I messed up. I got caught out there. I'm sorry. He didn't repent. And because he didn't repent, the condemnation now became greater to him than his offense. And what did the Bible say? Judas left there and went and hung himself. If you don't repent, the condemnation will be so great to you will go and hang yourself. What do I mean? Financially, emotionally, domestically, you will go and hang and possibly even physically. Most people that have betrayed someone and found out that they have betrayed someone, somehow people deal with the spirit of suicide. And because they do, what is happening is the condemnation becomes so great when all you have to do is repent. I'm about to finish this. Look at this. If you have been betrayed, you must forgive. Now, listen to me. I know it's not easy, but if someone, be, uh, someone betrayed you, 
Remember, Jesus was on the cross and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Remember when they stoned Stephen? Stephen says, and they were throwing rocks and brickbats at him. And he stood there and said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. You know why? Because forgiveness opens. Unforgiveness closes. He was trying to get into heaven. This ain't the time for you to be holding on to no, no art. You want things to be right in your life. This is not the time. You don't have, a, you cannot handle that luxury of not forgiving. You have to forgive. Forgiveness is, is an act of your will. It's not how you feel. Bars. <laughs> It's not how you feel. You may not feel like you have forgiven them for years. But by faith, you're going to have to say, Lord, I forgive them. And stop rehearsing it. Because every time you find a new person and you rehearse it, you resurrect it. And it lives again. And it won't die because you won't let it die. History will bury it. Time will bury it. But you keep digging it up. And every time you find somebody else, you're like, I owe it to them to assassinate this person's character because of what they did to me. Did you know? And you might be bold and you might be shifty. You might say, well, I just let's just pray about it. But they did me like this. See, look, look stop it. Just stop it. You've got to forgive if you want to be free. And Jesus said it this way. If you don't forgive from your heart, neither will the Heavenly Father forgive you of the mess you've done. And I can tell you right now, you cannot, will not go to heaven in an unforgiving state. Forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is for you. We think we're doing somebody a favor when we forgive them. No, you're doing yourself a favor. You know why? I haven't done this in a long time, and I'm going to do it because I'm about to finish this lesson. Uh, but I'm going to do it. Uh, Kevin, I, I always, you always used to help me out. Come here a minute, son. Kevin is a person. Yeah, would you, would you just man that for me just a second here? Calvin, say for instance, Calvin did something and I didn't like Calvin, and I, you know, I can't forgive him because of what he did. So, this is the art, and I'm holding it against Calvin. Calvin, I want you to go because you're in front. I'm holding this against you. I want you to just walk. Take your time. You got long legs. <laughs> <laughs> now. Who is choosing where we go? Kevin. You know why? I got to go with him if I'm going to hold something against him. The only way I can be free is let it go. Then I can go where I want to go. <laughs> Thank you, sir. This just came out the bottle. Don't, don't. <laughs> Kevin said, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's why many people are controlled in the body of Christ right now because they won't let it go those other people are free they're doing what they want to do and you are the one bound so you have to forgive alright let me here it is this is the last set of scriptures I want you to go to 
First Peter chapter two, verse twenty-one through twenty-three, and this is what the Bible is saying to you and I. It says, "For even here unto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should what follow His steps." Who did no sin, neither was guile, criticism, backbiting, found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, he reviled not. When he suffered, he threatened not. But committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. I want to say this, guys. The Bible says Jesus predicted his betrayal. But did you notice he didn't change how he treated Judas the whole time? See, that's where you die. See, the Bible says we are living sacrifices. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God is saying, you are a living sacrifice. Paul said, I die daily, and I show the marks of the dying of Jesus Christ. I show them in my body. We were called to suffer in that aspect. That's when you have to put down how you feel and do what's right by God. So he didn't threaten. He didn't look at Judas. Soon as Judas did that, he said, you know what, Judas? Give me that money bag. Because six months from now, you're going to betray me, and I know it because I am the Lord. No, he didn't. He gave Judas a space to repent. Sometimes you got to give people a space to repent. If they don't repent, that's on them. And the Bible says he committed himself to the hands of him that judge it righteously. You must have a working knowledge and understanding that God will vindicate the righteous. Maybe not like you want to, because soon as we are betrayed, the natural thing to do is to plot your revenge. You just wait. Let me see him. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind that I really can't afford to give them. <laughs> But I'm going to tell them a piece of my mind. Oh, I'm going to do this. You plot your revenge. That's the natural thing to do. But you better commit yourself in the hand of him that judges righteously. Because all things are not for other people. Sometimes God is trying to help you. We always want to pray for things to be easier. But God wants to take us through things so we will be better. Listen to me. If you're out there right now, those of you that's on social media, maybe this resonated with you. Maybe you're there right now. You got one or two ways you can handle this. I always say at some point it becomes mathematical. You're either going to repent or you're going to forgive. There is no other way that God provided for you to overcome that. Betrayal is a tra uh, traumatizing event. It's almost like losing a loved one. And you cannot overcome it unless 
you go the way God is giving you. He's only giving you two ways. Well, actually, there is a third way, but I don't suggest that. And the first way is to repent. The second way is to forgive. And the third and lastly, you just end up hanging yourself. There was this guy that was in prison because he had he had spent so many times he had he had raped. Uh, uh, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't want to use that word. Forgive me, but he had abused young people, young kids, and things of that nature. He was in prison, and when they talked to him, he told him he had a mental illness. That this is just how I am. But it, he didn't seem to really acknowledge that there was a dark side in him needed to be dealt with. And so they gave the guy over a thousand years with no parole. And later they found that he hung himself. Condemnation can get so great that if it's undealt with, it will keep growing and keep graduating until it totally controls your life. So I'm saying to you, find out where you are right now and don't allow the enemy to have success in your life. And I'm saying this to those of you that are here right now. Don't put yourself in that position. God wants to deliver you. He knows that it's traumatizing. He's been there. He got accustomed to Judas for three years. And then in the end, Judas just gave him a slap in the face because Judas could have just got up on the side of the mountain in the garden and said, see that one right there with that long robe right there? That one, yeah, that one. That's him. But instead, you know what he did? He walked all the way up to him and kissed him. That was just, that was a, that was a slap in Jesus' face. Which made the betrayal that much more bitter. So what am I saying to you? The Bible says, woe to him who betrayal comes. You don't want to be that person. And if you have, and I'm sure you have at some point, you can't live the rest of your life carrying that. Somewhere, you got to let enough life on top of it to bury it. Stop rehearsing it. So you can live. But if you just say, I got a problem, had a problem, this happened, and you don't repent, then you will never change how you live. I want to pray with you guys that are there on social media, and then we're going to close. But I want you to say this with me. I want you to say, Father, in the name of Jesus. This was my day. I saw so many faces. I had so many experiences. And they were overcoming me. But you love me enough to give me the word so I know exactly how to locate myself. Those that came against me and those that betrayed me. I'm not talking about disagreements. They betrayed me. And try to damage and assassinate my character. And I thought we were friends. And I thought we were, we were, we were, had a strong relationship in our marriage. And I thought we had this. And I haven't let it go. Let me live again. 
Help me to let it go so you can forgive me. I receive your love and your forgiveness this morning. And I purpose in my heart that I'm free. And I'll not allow this to control me anymore. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your favor, and your anointing. I receive my own forgiveness this morning. Those that I have offended, show me the proper way to repent. Not apologize, but repent. I must remove this from my life. The weight of condemnation is too great to bear. I want to be free, Lord. So I thank you for it. Show me and I'll do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, we thank God for you being here with us today. I want you to take this message, share it. Uh, you know, this is not one that I just preach every week, but I had to get this out of my spirit. So you take it, share it. I want you to like and subscribe. Hit that notification so you know the next time new content drops. We love you and we are here for you. And we are here to preach the uncompromising word of God so you know how to best live your life with Jesus. We thank you so much for being a part of this service. I pray for you and I pray that you will have the resolve to walk out what God has spoken to you. So whatever you do, whenever you do it and however you do it from this point on, I want you to do it knowing that you are free in Christ and then you can keep it real.